of Human Bondage by William Somerset Maugham, Chapter 35, Segment 1. Philip woke early next morning. His sleep had been restless. But when he stretched his legs and looked at the sunshine that slid through the Venetian blinds, making patterns on the floor, he sighed with satisfaction. He was delighted with himself. He began to think of Miss Wilkinson. She had asked him to call her Emily, but he knew not why he could not. He always thought of her as Miss Wilkinson. Since she chid him for so addressing her, he avoided using her name at all. During his childhood, he had often heard of a sister of Aunt Louisa, the widow of a naval officer, spoken of as Aunt Emily. It made him uncomfortable to call Miss Wilkinson by that name, nor could he think of any other that would have suited her better. She had begun as Miss Wilkinson, and it seemed inseparable from his impression of her. He frowned a little. Somehow or other, he saw her now, at her worst. He could not forget his dismay when she turned round and he saw her in the camisole and the short petticoat. He remembered the slight roughness of her skin and the sharp long lines on the side of her neck. His triumph was short-lived. He reckoned out her age again, and he did not see how she could be less than forty. It made the affair ridiculous. She was plain and old. His quick fancy showed her to him, wrinkled, haggard, made up, in those frocks which were too showy for her position and too young for her years. He shuddered. He felt suddenly that he never wanted to see her again. He could not bear the thought of kissing her. He was horrified with himself. Was that love? He took as long as he could over dressing in order to put back the moment of seeing her. And when at last he went into the dining room, it was with a sinking heart. Prayers were over, and they were sitting down at breakfast. Lazy bones, Miss Wilkinson cried gaily. He looked at her and gave a little gasp of relief. She was sitting with her back to the window. She was really quite nice. He wondered why he had thought such things about her. His self-satisfaction returned to him. End of Segment 1 Chapter 35, Segment 2 He was taken aback by the change in her. She told him in a voice thrilling with emotion immediately after breakfast that she loved him. And when a little later they went into the drawing room for his singing lesson and she sat down on the music stool, she put up her face in the middle of a scale and said, Embrassez-moi. When he bent down, she flung her arms round his neck. It was slightly uncomfortable for she held him in such a position that he felt rather choked. Ah, je t'aime, je t'aime, je t'aime, she cried with her extravagantly French accent. Philip wished she would speak English. I say, I don't know if it struck you that the gardener's quite likely to pass the window any minute. Jamie fiche du jardinier. Jamie refiche et jamie contrefiche. Philip thought it was very like a French novel, and he did not know why it slightly irritated him. At last he said, Well, I think I'll tootle along to the beach and have a dip. Oh, you're not going to leave me this morning, of all mornings. 
Philip did not quite know why he should not, but it did not matter. Would you like me to stay? He smiled. Oh, you darling. But no, go, go. I want to think of you mastering the sea salt waves, bathing your limbs in the broad ocean. He got his hat and sauntered off. What rot women talk, he thought to himself. But he was pleased and happy and flattered. She was evidently frightfully gone on him. As he limped along the high street of Blackstable, he looked with a tinge of superciliousness at the people he passed. He knew a good many of them to nod to, and as he gave them a smile of recognition, he thought to himself, if they only knew. He did want someone to know very badly, and he thought he would write a letter to Hayward, and in his mind he composed the letter. End of segment two. Chapter 35, Segment 3 He would talk of the garden and the roses and the little French governess like an exotic flower amongst them, scented and perverse. He would say she was French because, well, she had lived in France so long that she almost was, and besides, it would be shabby to give the whole thing away too exactly, don't you know? And he would tell Hayward how he had seen her first in her pretty muslin dress and of the flowers she had given him. He made a delicate idol of it. The sunshine and the sea gave it passion and magic, and the stars added poetry, and the old vicarage garden was a fit and exquisite setting. There was something Meredithian about it. It was not quite Lucy Feverell and not quite Clara Middleton, but it was inexpressibly charming. Philip's heart beat quickly. He was so delighted with his fancies that he began thinking of them again as soon as he crawled back, dripping and cold, into his bathing machine. He thought of the object of his affections. She had the most adorable little nose and large brown eyes. He would describe her to Hayward and masses of soft brown hair, the sort of hair it was delicious to bury your face in, and a skin which was like ivory and sunshine, and her cheek was like a red, red rose. How old was she? Eighteen, perhaps, and he called her Musette. Her laughter was like a rippling brook, and her voice was so soft, so low, it was the sweetest music he had ever heard. What are you thinking about? Philip stopped suddenly. He was walking slowly home. I've been waving at you for the past quarter of a mile. You are absent-minded. Miss Wilkinson was standing in front of him, laughing at his surprise. I thought I'd come and meet you. That's awfully nice of you, he said. Did I startle you? You did a bit, he admitted. End of segment three.